Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sport of Kings podcast. On this week's pod, we're handicapping the late pick five from Belmont Park on Saturday, October 24th. Show number 89, October 23rd, 2020. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Sport of Kings, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, I understand you did pretty well uh, in a Santa Anita contest last week. Yeah, it was pretty good. The result was okay. I finished fourth. It was very frustrating. I, The last three plays I made, my horse ran second in all three. And and two of the last two, it just looked like the winner until the very end. So, uh, you know, a little bit of luck, and I would have won that contest. Uh, even, I anyway, it, 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 like any contest, there's stories with each of the players involved. But it was fun. And um, it was a good warm-up for the Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge, which is only a few weeks off. So I'm really looking forward to that. And, you know, we plan to have a pretty busy podcast schedule that week as well. So I'm looking forward to all the discussions ahead of time and then, you know, watching and playing the races as part of the contest as well. So this is a fun time to uh, be a horse player leading up to the big weekend. Absolutely. And the Sport of Kings... Finals will be that weekend on Breeders' Cup weekend. And we are winding down the Keeneland Challenge and the Sport of Kings October round one. Even though there's still one more week to go, it's only one day next week because it'll be it'll be October 31st is a Saturday. So we'll have races on Saturday and then that'll be it. And the top 100 who are NHC Tour players will graduate to the finals, which is Breeders' Cup weekend. Yeah, so you better uh, start hitting some winners if you need to make up some ground. I'm looking at the leaderboard right now, and it looks like the top 100 overall is at $87.50 right now. So depending on where you are, you probably need to get up over $100 to safely get up into the top 100. Right. If you're in the NHC... If you're um, if you're just looking at the NHC only standings, uh, seventy four dollars will get you to the top one hundred right now. Yeah, I would probably target like a hundred dollars. That would be my goal if I were trying to decide what to play over the last few days here. Absolutely, and um, keep in mind that even if you finish like one hundred twentieth, you may have people who qualified already ahead of you. So uh, we won't really know until a few days after the contest once we verify who has live uh, legitimate NHC numbers and who doesn't. So yep. don't lose hope if you're close, right? So if you finish 105th or 110th, you just might slip in there. 
Uh, if people are up to date, though, you can kind of see who's double qualified already, right? Or are um, looking on the leaderboard with well, the little. That- yeah, I mean, that's double qualified for the NHC, and that's only if they've actually marked it. So I know that many people don't even know that there's a button to check if you've already qualified. So, And I guess it doesn't really matter. That doesn't really matter until you get into the finals itself. What really matters now are, are whether or not they're on the tour. So, Right, right. We also have the Keeneland Daily Challenge, which is winding down. There's only two more days today when this podcast will come out, and tomorrow, Saturday, where there's um, a fairly big field in a, the Keeneland ninth race, so so that should be um, that should be interesting because there's only three dollars separating the top two in that contest, and top prize is a three thousand dollar entry to the Grade One Gamble in 2021. Yeah, and there's like eight people that are over a hundred dollars, and within you know a little over twenty dollars to the leader, so. That will definitely go down to the wire, and that wire is not far away. We're in the stretch run on that contest. Two days. Okay, well, um, I guess we should get to the races this week. So I'd like to introduce our special guest. He finished second in the NHC in 2015, and he's collected over $280,000 from that tournament alone. He's 12th in the NHC Tour this year. He's Ken Jordan. Ken, welcome to the pod. Thanks, Scott. Very happy to be with you today. All right. I, 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 we, we were talking before, Ken. We're not sure if we've um, met, but we, uh, I, I think I'll probably recognize you when I see you. But the one thing I don't know anything about is your handicapping. So what is your strategy? What do you use and, um, and how do you use it? Well, uh, I, I, I see you plenty of times on the leaderboard at Monmouth, so uh, I, I know I've met you there. But my handicapping style, I, I guess I'm more of a, I would refer to it as a, a comprehensive handicapper. I don't lean too strongly in any one direction. Uh, I'm a I'm a pace player, a flow player, uh, a class handicapper, which is an old term that uh, I don't know if it uh, has any uh, disciples nowadays. But uh, based on how I view the race, whether I view it as a solid play on one or two horses or a chaotic race. I'll, I'll try to reach into the toolbox and uh, attack it that way. Um, when you when you say flow, do you use uh, like what do you do you use racing flow for that? I I am a devout racing flow player. Uh, Jake and Jake and Phil do a great job. Uh, it, it it again, if you're looking for a way of of getting in between the lines of the past performances, uh, no better tool than Racing Flow. Racingflow.com, uh, if you want to check out com. that product. Cool. Um, and what else do you use besides Racing Flow? Like, are you a DRF guy, Brisna? DRF guy, formulator. Um, I, 
how you how you approach the race, I think, is is going to be both from a time standpoint and 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 cashing ticket standpoint. Um, it's going to be determined by how you approach the race. I, I again, I, I go through the PPs more as a comprehensive handicapper the first time. Maybe the second pass through, I'll go for workouts and and flow analysis and then the last uh, pass through speed figures i use the colts neck figures which is a uh, has been around for a long time at least at mammoth and other tracks but uh i'm i'm very happy using things that not everybody else is using well i think that's a, a pretty smart way to play chris did you have any questions for ken um, uh, probably, well, I'd say not, not really. I'm nothing, not, no specific <laughs> questions right now. Sorry about that. <laughs> I had one and I, I was going to ask you and I forgot it, but if I think about it during the course of the show, I'll bring it up. But I had a great question and I, and I lost track of what it was. I got distracted. Sorry. All right. Well, just don't lose any winners. Don't. <laughs> Hopefully I can find one and Don't then I break. won't lose it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of which, we are going to do the late pick five Saturday at Belmont Park. It starts with the seventh race. It's the Hudson Handicap, six and a half furlongs on dirt, a purse of 125000 for three-year-olds and up. And Ken, as our guest, we'd love to have you go first. Great. Great. Um as New York, I guess this is still New York show, New York Bread Showcase days go. I, I would say the card's kind of underwhelming, but there there are some betting opportunities. There's some good bets, and there's some bet against. Um, in the in the race seven, and again, uh, I, I'm not I'm not much for conspiracy theories, but this is one race where. I'll go back to the old, uh, the Ortiz brothers won't duel on the front end angle. I think, I think if the three gets a little less pressure on the front end, Arthur's hope, I think he, uh, between his distance uh, preference and and what the lack of, uh, of a dogfight on the front end will, provide him with a good opportunity here. I'm just trying, I'm scrolling now. I don't, I think Irad will take off the pace with Dugout, who I, I was originally excited about betting, but I think, uh, I think he'll uh, give, give the three a pass. And I don't think the five foolish ghost will be able to win at this distance. The seven, my boy Tate, might be able to close into that. All right, so who did you land on uh, on the win end? Arthur's Hope. Okay, Arthur's Hope. Great. Uh, Arthur's Hope, uh, one of the many speed horses in this race. Chris, what did you think? Well, I, I think there's a lot more speed in the race than just the three, the four, and the five. I think the one horse is probably the speed of the speed with Kendrick Carmooch 
drawing the rail, they have to send that horse. So I expect it to be a pretty hot pace. And of the speed horses, you know, I might lean towards the one horse as being in the most um, formidable of the group. Although I agree, Arthur's Hope uh, fits well. Although I, you know, I just don't think the race shape really fits either of those horses very well. I do think my boy Tate is the one who can take the most advantage of the hot pace. And this horse has always had talent, had some obvious major physical problems, but seems to be really shape really fits him. Um, I just think it's a solid, pretty solid favorite, not a, a good win bet, um, but probably a horse you could could lean on some in the pick five uh if he doesn't win then it's pretty hard to separate out i think the, the rest of the field is all pretty closely packed but i would say my boy tate is where i would go on this one this is not a good betting race from a win standpoint but that's who i think is clearly the most likely winner my boy tate um yeah, I'm afraid he's he ran a he ran a big race last race, and I'm afraid he's going to react to that. Uh, I landed on I, I have two horses that are very hard to separate, and for the pace reasons that you were discussing, I'm going to land on perhaps the longest shot on the board, and that is the nine Morning Breeze. This horse was always fast. He was fast as a two year old. Um, he's run better since getting claimed. He's second off the layoff. And in the comeback race, he ran on slop, a surface in which he is over six in that comeback race. Once he was passed, the jock did not persist. That was a uh, Kendrick Carmouche. I just think he has upside. And uh, the last time that he had a sort of a second off layoff like that, he ended out third in the Holly Hughes at aqueduct. And I just think, you know, there, there's going to be a scramble up front. He gets a little bit of a weight break. And and I think this horse could be ready to just fire a really big race, uh, second off of laughs. That's my top horse. And then the other horse I I like, but he is over for 4 at the distance. And he is also going to be part of that speed brigade. But I really like Tribeca. as a He's a quality horse. I mean, I watched his uh, a couple of his races. He's also gotten better since he was claimed. And in February, he got passed by a horse who had to have the lead, right? And so so Tribeca had the lead, and then this other horse just winged it and got two lengths ahead and was ahead for a good quarter of a mile. The Tribeca, it didn't discourage him. He just kept on running. He passed the horse, and he won the race. I There is some question about he's never had a win at, at, at higher than six furlongs, so, so that's – that's an issue. And also the issue of being pressed, right? He is going to have to go, but he also doesn't absolutely have to have the lead. So I, I think he's just really coming into his own. And I, I, you know, if I could split my picks and say morning breeze and Tribeca, cause I, I don't think that I would play morning breeze to win, but I would include him in the pick five. Ken, go ahead and jump in. If you have anything else to add, the 
again, there is potentially there's a lot of heat on the front end. It seems like more often than not lately, the complaint about how the, the turf course was being ridden in New York with everybody taken back has made its way over to the dirt course. So I, I could see my boy Tate, that last race at Barks was legitimate. Uh, another horse that's interesting is the eight T loves a fight uh, for, for uh, I'm sure Scott's aware as a racing flow uh, fan, he's run through some soft paces before. And uh, he, he, if he's prominent enough early, I, I, he's got a shot to, to pick up the pieces. All right. T loves a fight. Chris? Yeah, I am. Um, you know, of the speed horse, like I said, I agree with you, Scott. Tribeca is interesting. I Kendrick Carmuch is one of the, the few New York riders who are reliable, who is reliable on a speed horse, especially when it's always he's been on the lead on this horse every time he's ridden it and it draws the rail. So I don't think this is going to be one of those races where unless they, if anybody um, will benefit from the New York riding style, it would be the one horse. I mean, if they don't push, everybody will let Carmuch go. He'll he could win. But I don't see at least at least the one's going to be out there gunning. So uh, I, I think that's almost a given in here. But you never know. Um, Morning Breeze, I was trying to talk myself into that horse, but uh, it, it's not going to be on the lead, certainly not fast enough, and it's never, ever gained ground in the last call in a race. So I just, a horse that doesn't win very often, that's not going to be on the lead, never gains ground, I couldn't play that horse to win. But maybe, like you said, and I think I heard this, you saying this, Scott, that this is a horse at, long, at a price you use more underneath, that I, I could buy into that. Um, but as a win play, I wouldn't, I couldn't bet the nine horse. Well, you have a pretty good point about uh, him not gaining ground. I'm just looking at those PPs and I mean, in his first race, he extended three lengths. The second race, he, as the favorite, he finished second and he didn't lose ground that's a that's a legitimate angle um he you know this is he was more likely to gain ground like in february 18 uh february 11th 2018 that race he was a half length back and he finished the neck back so he, he gained ground but he didn't he didn't gain enough ground i don't know it's a legitimate argument it's a it's a legitimate point that i'll have to um you know so I'm not dissing the horse just as a win bet. I think as a underneath at that big price makes a lot of sense. If the race falls apart, he could pass those tiring horses. I just don't know if he's going to pass anybody like a that that has any kind of finish at all. Um, but so that's all I would say is that he I like that more as an underneath and a win play. And you know, uh, on the my boy Tate, I they always could react to the race, but. He, three years ago, he ran a race as fast as what he just ran at Parks, and he's had a good workout since. And he has his best pattern um, in a long time where he's actually held together and run three good races in a row. And he's so, uh, and, and against this company with the kind of race flow he's going to get, I just think you can't rely too much on any kind of horse in this, this race, but he looks pretty strong as a favorite to me. And I, you know me, I don't like to play favorites, but. I don't have a lot of knocks on him in here. So, but he's definitely not a good win bet. 
All right. Well, uh, interesting race. There's going to be a lot of separation right after that leg because, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can go in this race. Let's Tough first move, leg. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's move on to the second leg. It's the eighth race. It's the Mohawk Stakes, a mile and 16th on the inner turf, purse of 150000 for three-year-olds and up. Chris, where did you land here? Well, in this race, it's interesting because uh, most people see it as a match race between the stable mates, the seven, some like it hot brown, and the eight cross border. But I really think the five therapist has as good a chance to win as either of those, and he'll be a much better price. So he's definitely the one I would like. I mean, part of the reason I see him as really good value, Rinaldi, who's the third choice, beat him fairly convincingly last time. So I think most people just assume he'll beat him again this time. But if you look at that race, he was spotting four pounds. Therapist was to Rinaldi that day. And today it's actually reversed. And now therapist is getting a three pound weight break for Rinaldi. So that's a seven pound weight swing between those two. And also in that race, Rinaldi, pretty much had it all his own way with an easy lead. Um, kind of just a perfect trip. And Therapist was sort of caught wide all the way around, you know, trying to chase that slow pace. So given a, a different trip, likely a different trip this time in the, the weight swing, I really think, you know, Therapist at twice the price on the morning line is really good value compared to Rinaldi. And I actually think he's fast enough to beat the two favorites. So for me, you know, therapist is the value play, the five horse in here. Okay. Therapist at six to one morning line with IRAD on. I find it kind of hard to believe that he'll be that high with IRAD, but um, who knows? Where did you land here, Ken? Well, it's interesting. Uh, I guess that's just how the dynamics of race interchanging, but to think that the Baruch winner, as as recently as July, wouldn't be a a solid selection in in the Mohawk Stakes uh, shows how much the game has changed. I like the seven. Uh, Paco Lopez just bailed out going into the first turn. That's some the, like it hot brown. Some like I'm sorry. Some like it hot brown. Uh, the, he won the Baruch. On the front end, it was a, a soft pace, but one. The the race at Churchill was just okay, uh, but he only had to, in my opinion, he only had to maintain his position going into the first turn. And for some reason, a, an unpaco like move, he he chose to pull out of it. Uh, I, I think he'll be fine here. I'm, I'm going to lean on him in my pick five play. Therapist is very interesting. He's a, again, he looks to be a, he prefers Belmont. Uh, the distance is a question. He is a racing flow upgrade in that he chased a wire to wire winner in a very soft pace race, the uh, West Point stakes. So uh, he would be my, uh, my second choice, but I, I'll, I will lean strongly on some like it hot brown. I, I heard it was mentioned that in some years somebody would consider this a a match race between the two maker horses. 
I'm against the horses that have run at marathon distances turning back to a middle distance. They they just seem to lose some sharpness at the marathon distances. So uh, I'll be against the three and the eight dot matrix and cross border. You're against dot matrix. Yes. Who again? He chased the. He chased the same pace that the therapist did, but I just I just don't see him having the sharpness that he needs uh, based on his uh, marathon races. Okay. Well, um, that is my horse, Dot Matrix. I, I like Dot Matrix a lot here. The, uh, the race in question in the last race where he was second to Rinaldi, he was off awkwardly. Like uh, they said, that he tossed his head. And if you look at the race, it's, it's kind of like a hop. I mean, it certainly wasn't a good start. Then just stayed on the inside the whole way. Clearly had no chance in catching that runaway winner who set that very slow pace. And I, I really feel like, I mean, that he even finished second. Lescano was not really asking that horse very much in the stretch. And I, I just I just got the sense like he was like, all right, well, I'm saving this horse next race. And you know, she he he was carrying six more pounds than Rinaldi in the last, and now they're at equal weights. So I, I just I I love the way Dot Makes was coming into this with a, a perfectly good start and has enough tactical speed to stay close. Uh, no matter what happens, but there's also a good chance that Rinaldi and some like at Hop Round are going to set, uh, you know, a, a, a frisky pace. It may not be insane, but it's 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 going to be solid. I would expect. Uh, Dot Matrix is a strong play for me, but I also do. Uh, I would absolutely use Therapist, and I would also use Rinaldi because Rinaldi has improved every start. So Scott, head to head, Therapist. And Dot Matrix Therapist had a worse start in the last race. They're both in the same race. He went wider. He's getting, you know, some weight, a weight break, and he actually has some upside as compared to Dot Matrix. You really think head-to-head Dot Matrix is a better play than Therapist at lower odds? Well, I'm not sure. Again, I'm not sure about those odds. Uh, I, okay, I, say at even, at even odds, the same odds. At even odds, yeah, I, I do like Dot Matrix better. Yeah, I mean, That's I, interesting. I, I, he's gonna get he's gonna get another good inside trip. So you know, therapist is also you know, there's, I mean, that was a small field in the last race, and therapist was two to three wide the whole way. So you know, maybe he's two to three wide again. You know, he he's usually at least two wide, and that that's gonna that's something that's against him right he's over six of the distance uh yeah I, I like dot matrix better i mean that's you know yeah all right <laughs> that that's why they run the race right that's right they run the race yeah i i i i definitely we have a difference of opinion yeah i mean I, I mean dot matrix had a worse start than last you know than therapist therapist had a perfectly fine start in the last race i had on there was there was no there was no issue there so you know there. Uh, he actually did not have a good start. You might want to watch that again. But anyway, that's interesting. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Um, uh, I, with in terms of what Ken said, um, cross border. I agree. Cutting back in distance is probably not ideal for him. So 
of the two, I think, you know, some like it hot Brown is definitely the, the more dangerous, but you know, they both are pretty good horses. So this is actually a pretty good race because um, you know, all the horses we've talked about, all five of them are not that far apart, really. So it'll be interesting to see how they bet the race. Yeah, and, 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 again, and to keep your pick five going, it, that's always a different proposition than what's a proper win bet. Uh, so uh, I'm focusing from a pick five angle, I'll be leaning on the seven, some like a hot brown. Yeah, now that's, you know, it's, it's, this is where we'll have some more separation, right? Because in this race, I'm against some like it hot brown. And um, I think that I'm, since I'm against him and cross border, I think this is where uh, there could be some value. Uh, so, Chris, even though I, you know, I only picked Dot Matrix by a sliver over therapist. I mean, they're absolute both must uses. And uh, I will be three deep with Rinaldi. So Scott, what's the big knock you have on some like it hot brown? I just think he ran a really big race last race, and uh, he's likely to react from it. All right, yeah, because I think he's probably the most likely winner. So I mean, I I don't have a lot of knocks on him, just other than he's not really any faster than like Dot Matrix or Therapist. So from a value standpoint. You know, definitely I like those better, but I just don't really have any knocks on him. He, he looks like he's coming into this race pretty well, and he could probably sit right off of Rinaldi and, and you know, pounce whenever Castellano wants to. Um, I don't know if he's going to be good enough to hold everybody off, but I have knocks on him. Yeah, uh, you know, it's a tough race. Yeah. Tough race. I mean, I, look, I, some like it. Hot Brown is a it's a healthy horse. That was just a big effort on a yielding course, and um, I just think that he's got a good chance to react at and and you know the pace may be a little swift, and that could take something out of him. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. Maybe, although in New York on a turf race, that's usually some a hope that doesn't get fulfilled. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll see. Something they time with a calendar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, pick up the pace here. We'll go to the ninth race. It's the Iroquois Stakes. Six and a half furlongs on dirt. Purse of one hundred twenty-five thousand for fillies and mares, three-year-olds and up. I like and... how you transitioned into pick up the pace when we were talking about soft paces. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll let you get started on this one, Ken. Okay. Well, in, in this one, this is, you know, I, I guess half of handicapping is picking winners and the other half is eliminating losers. Uh, I'm against the one here, newly minted, who I believe, I believe is the morning line favorite. I had my uh, sheets printed early, but I believe Millie Minted is the morning line favorite. Yeah, yeah he Five is too. Um, just not a sprinter and has beaten some suspect fields uh, in the winds. Um, not as fast as the other horses. 
on on pure figures and just I, I don't think the running style. I'm not I'm not quite sure how how the one is going to be able to react from the rail to get there. So that that's my against. And I'm I'm going to the nine timely tradition as uh, my selection. The racing rarity claimed from the Rob Atris barn and won four out of five with an excuse in the loss. Uh, but that's not the direction they they always go when they're claimed from Rob Atris. But uh, I think this one will be able to just sit outside. Sit outside off the pace and uh, has been doing quite well since uh, since that claim and that will be my top pick. The nine timely tradition. Timely tradition four out of five with an excuse in the one that he lost. She lost. Chris, what did you think? This is. <laughs> I'm mean, talking about wide open races. This one really is. But here I have my my angle play, my long shot pod pick of the week in this race, and that's the six-horse Collegeville girl. Uh, just on sort of handicapping fundamentals, I think she fits. Uh, she had some trouble in her last couple races, so I think her form's a little buried. Her best efforts definitely fit with these horses. Gets a really nice rider switch to Rosario, who's really good on closing sprinters. So just and and has a good closing kick. And it's at six and a half furlongs, I think it's a good distance for her. So a lot of things just to like normally, um, especially at 15 to one. But the thing that really got me a little more excited about this as a play is an angle with the trainer. Um, this trainer, Vega, has got a, an interesting streak going for in the last two years, he's shipped into Belmont. He's, he doesn't r race here very often. He's had six starters in the last five years. But two of those have won, and both of those came at almost this time of the year, late October. He shipped into Belmont, and last year he sh did this and won with this very horse, Collegeville Girl, at a pretty decent price. And then two years ago, he did the same thing, late October, shipped in. The Belmont and one with a different horse, but that horse, the person he had up riding that day was Joel Rosario. So he's trying to do it for the third straight year, ship in late October to Belmont and win a race. So, and he's got the same horse he did it with last year, and he's using the same rider he did it with two years ago. So that's a lot of interesting coincidences that probably aren't coincidences. And given that the horse already fits just from a fundamental standpoint, you know, you throw that angle in and you look at that morning line of 15 to one. And to me, this is the kind of horse that could blow up the pick five and could really key some big payout payouts um, in the vertical plays on the race. So my key play and probably my pod pick of the week is a six horse Collegeville girl. All right. Collegeville girl. I'm on board I had that horse as my second choice. I probably should have put her on top, but I'm I'm not I'm not going to share your thunder. I'm going to not going to steal any of your thunder. I'll let you uh, have her, but I will definitely be using her in the pick five. I actually agree with Ken. I I, I like timely tradition. She's won four of her last five since being claimed. She ran her best race ever last race at seven furlongs, so the distance shouldn't be a problem. 
uh, in that five race streak, the four out of five race, uh, she even shipped to Oakland and won, which is uh, somewhat unusual. But I guess it wasn't unusual since that they were one of the few places that were actually running. Um, I'm kind of hoping for higher than five to one. Maybe I won't get it since uh, we're two out of three of us like the horse. Um, but I, I, that's just that's who I would pick. I, I don't know if I would bet any win money in this race. But I will use Timely Tradition. I'll also use College Real Girl. And I also have a little bit of a soft spot for Espresso Shot. She has won and run well going turf to dirt before. Now is third off a layoff. Was always fast. And gets Johnny V for trainer Jorge Abro. And I think uh, also has a shot. Maybe it's a better underplay. But it looks like she could run a big race, and uh, I would I would have a hard time not using her in the pick five as well at fifteen to one. Can jump in. Couple of eight to one prices interest me. Prairie Fire, the five, uh, who I guess. Uh, is eligible for the uh, Linda Rice Iron Horse Award. Uh, this would be her his, her tenth start of the year for Linda Rice, which is you know, given her propensity to scratch. Uh, that, that's a feat in itself. But very good at the distance. If the uh, if there's a little more pace pressure on the nine than I anticipate, the the five could pick up the pieces. The other one is a seven, spin a yarn, who may, or maybe I should say probably is, the only horse in training to win twice at one to 20 odds, um, exceeding any of the greats. Uh, the horse has a lot of speed. The one time on the Naira circuit ran a good second. Uh, I'm just not sure if those those figures were were earned against legitimate enough competition to uh to make it a top selection but to to complement the, the pick of the nine uh, i could use the five and the seven in the pick five it's uh it's a it's a tough race and um i'll probably try not to bet very much money to this pick five because it's going to be hard to hit um it's either a lot of money to hit it or, you know, bet small and, and try to work around favorites like some like at Hot Brown. Yeah, just uh, um, I, I kind of agree with Ken on five and seven. In fact, I think the seven is the speed in the race. So I'd be surprised with Carmooch riding the seven horses. Lead. So we'll see how that works out. Um, the one horse you haven't mentioned, I think you have to mention, is the two-horse officer, Hutchie. That barn is red hot. The horse, they've won five of their last eight starts, and they've been in the money in all eight. So that trainer is about as hot as you can get right now. So you, you almost can't leave anything out that he trains right now, especially in a race like this. I agree with that, Chris. When, when they get hot, you, you've got to ride it. Or as long as you can. I, hopefully, you know you know when the, the hot streak is about to end. But uh, that that barn has been very good lately. 
Yeah, and a horse fits. I mean, he should. Yeah. The horse. There's no reason why it couldn't win, even if the barn wasn't hot. So. Ooh. Well, if any of us are still alive after this leg, um, <laughs> <laughs> best of luck. Yeah, single yeah. Collegeville girl. That's the way to go. A six horse. <laughs> well, that, I agree. When, when she's on, it, you know, she's the fastest horse. It's interesting with Collegeville girl because what, what I think what separates good trainers from average trainers is trainers that look like they are oh, commanding enough in, in their craft that they can orchestrate uh, a pattern that, that'll get a horse up to a peak effort when the money's on the line. And, and uh, all those points are well taken, Chris. Well, we'll see when the races run. I just think from a value standpoint, that's a, you probably will get the 15 to one odds and the horse just fits. So we'll see. I wonder if uh, the trainer offered this mount to Kendrick Carmouche, who won at Saratoga at nine to one with this horse. I wonder if he offered it first to Carmouche and he said, "No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna run and ride, spin a yarn," or if he just said, "I'm gonna go with Joel this time." That's a good question. I mean, for the the style of the horse, the one that I think will be sitting off the pace, I would much prefer. Rosario to Carmouche, but I don't know. You know, you never know if the trainers in the relationship with the riders, but I'm certainly think he's got the right rider on it. Why? And, and like I said, they have teamed up uh, and won at Belmont at nine to one and about this time of year, uh, two years ago. So he, you know, it's not like uh, he's never, they've never hooked up before. So. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and he, no, I would say don't leave Collegeville Girl off your tickets at 15 to 1. Do not. And if they happen to make a jockey change to Castillo, you'll get your 30 to 1. That's probably true. That's probably true. Okay, let's move to the 10th. It's the Empire Classic Handicap. A mile and an eighth on dirt, purse of 175000 for three-year-olds and up. Some familiar faces here. Chris, where did you land? Yeah, this one, I mean, clearly the two Mr. Buff and three funny guy will get a lot of the attention, probably deservedly so. Um, you can, there are some knocks on both of those. Does seem like there could be a pretty hot pace in this race. Um, so there's kind of an obvious closer that I think is usable, but I'm, I'm going to pick a long shot in here that I have a long history with, and that's the eight horse evaluator. Um, I've always had a fond spot for this horse because in his debut at Saratoga on the turf, I think about three years ago, I actually bet him in the Saratoga contest. And I don't typically play first-time starters, but uh, there were some things I had liked about the horse. And it was funny because I looked at him in the paddock, and I was all excited because he looked really good. And then when the race went off, the horse got completely left at the gate. I mean, he broke 10 lengths behind the field. And I just, oh, my goodness. I know I should never play first-time starters. That's what I was saying to myself. And then I kind of stopped watching the race, and someone hit me and said, look at that horse. He's making a move. And then he just circled the horse and won for fun. I circled all the, the field and won for fun. So that sort of made – that was fun. 
Um, and I kind of followed his career, but he just really hasn't done much in the last few years um, to, to kind of live up to that promise that he had shown in his debut and then later on in his first dirt race. But he ran, he he woke up in his last race. It was on a sloppy track, so that might add something to do with it, although he's never run that well on a sloppy track before. Um, and it was that second start off, a layoff, and he has those back numbers as a two-year-old to run to. So I, I'm just going to say maybe he's finally gotten over his problems and he's ready to, to run to that promise he showed before. They gave him a pretty nice freshening since that spot him in, in this New York um, bred stakes race. He's been working well since. Uh, I think he'll take advantage of a fast pace if it is fast. And so... You know, I'm going to uh, go with Evaluator, the eight, as a long shot in here at 12 and 1 in the morning line. Well, uh, that's that's legit. And good point about having him, him having run on the slop before and not freaking out. So that could not that could either be a slop top that, you know, was extracted from him because he loved the surface that day or he could just be that good now. What did you think here, Ken? Well, we started the handicapping looking at, at the favorites. I mean, the handicapping always has to go through the favorites to see how far you need to go. Uh, the two, Mr. Buff has been a, a solid New York red for a number of years. Even though the last two races were against grade one and grade two competition, I just didn't like the way he surrendered in the Whitney. It was a very soft pace. And when they came to him, he just stopped running. Um, they, they've, they've brought him back before off of poor efforts, but I, I think he's going the wrong way. So I'm, I like the three funny guy. And again, maybe this, this is as far as New York breads have come in, in a number of years. Or maybe it's a testament to how thin the handicap ranks are. But uh, a New York bred funny guy was a favorite in the four goal in the Vosburgh. Beaten twice, but that that by itself means uh, he, he's he's well respected. And I think I think the trip will be no obstacle. I think the figures are there. And uh, he'll be the top selection for me to keep my uh, pick five ticket alive. Okay, funny guy. Uh, fast horse and ran his best race last year was at the distance. I actually went okay. with um, I went with Banket. He's circling back into form. He's always been fast. You know, he ran fast as a two year old in August at Saratoga. Toward the end of the year, he went two turns and ran fast at Remington. I'm not sure if he won that race or not. His best race last year was also at a mile and an eighth at Saratoga. So this is a horse that can get the distance. He's run he run a ran a bunch of solid races at the beginning of the year and and then tailed off. But he's circling back and he didn't win any of those races. So so he's going to be a price, and uh, yeah, I think he's poised to run the best number of any of these horses, and I, th I think the pace will be pretty 
salty. So Bankit is a pretty firm pick for me at 10 to 1 with uh, IRAD, and you'll probably get it. Uh, a couple other horses that I would int- that I would also be interested in. Uh, Our last buck carries a feathery one sixteen, and uh, will also close. And uh, Seafoam, I think if Seafoam doesn't like doesn't run too fat, like doesn't try to outduel Mister Buff and just tries to sit right off him, uh, that he's. He's in really good form, and he's two for two this year. He's not a price, but I, I could not leave him off my ticket. Yeah, I um just to kind of follow up on a few things. I on the favorites, you know, Mr. Buff. I agree, he's coming in off the layoff, off some bad races, so there's some question marks there. Plus, he's carrying high weight. Certainly, if he runs his race, he'll be really tough, but. You, you know, that's a question. Funny guy, he's definitely solid, and he has one at this distance. But that's a big ask, I think, going from six furlongs to, to nine furlongs. Even if he's done it, he's raced well in nine furlongs before. You know, he they've been training him to be a potential Breeders' Cup sprint kind of horse. And they've kind of given up on that. Now they're going to try the this mile and eighth. Try to, I think he won this race last year. I think that was him in the same race maybe not but um you know i just question that um and he also is picking up a lot of weight so they're both good horses and if they run their their best races they probably win or run one too but there's there's reason to think they might not and they'll probably get heavily bet i kind of agree with scott bank it was the other horse i was talking about it's kind of the obvious closer um if the race goes fast I'm I'm not sure this mile and eighth is going to really suit that horse. I think he's more of a closing miler, but he's definitely been running against some good horses and 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 should be closing late. So I agree with Scott there. I was trying to like Seafoam. I think it's ready to run a good race, but I just don't see how Seafoam wins this race with Mr. Buff in the race, unless Mr. Buff just doesn't run or they do something really weird. Um, Seems like those two are destined to go pretty fast up front um, early. Yeah, which they did two years ago in this very race. And um, yeah, Seafoam just collapsed and Mr. Buff finished third. Yeah, so, but, I mean, there is a chance that maybe with Rosario on Seafoam that they try to um, take back because Rosario will do that sometimes. I just don't think that's going to work. I don't think that's it's going to help Seafoam to try to do that. But, um, so I, I, I just don't know if I just don't see a way that race plays out where Seafoam can win, but I think that horse is pretty good and it's in good form. So, uh, I mean, for me, bottom line is I, I probably agree with Scott on Bankit, and, um, I'm a little leery of the two favorites. Funny guy. I kind of see where Ken is on that. Just if he had been running, some mile races or something closer, but his last race was six furlongs. He was running seven before that, but I mean, they've been really targeting sprint races with him. So you, you got to train the horse a little bit differently to get nine furlongs, I think, and picking up the weight. We'll see. I mean, he'll run a good race. I just don't know um, about that at the price you're going to get on him. Cause he was, like you said, he was getting bet against good open company, great, one horses 
So I, I just don't know how he'll get bet in here against State Brids. I mean, they may really pound this three horse. What did you guys think of Chestertown? He's interesting. He was strongly favored in a couple of the fairground three-year-old uh, allowances uh, prior to the the stake race preps. The, the, you can't get past the price tag on him. They pay $2 million for him. And he's actually slowly edging forward on figures. So yeah, he's worth a shot. I like I like your five. I like Bankit. Uh, the one hour last buck looks like he's doing as well as he's ever done. So uh, again, I'll stick with my top choice, the three funny guy. But uh, there's a couple of prices there that that, that could be interesting if the if the top picks uh, don't run their race. Yeah, I I would I would hate to see Chestertown, who's carrying only one sixteen, so he's getting ten pounds from Mister Buff and and also from Seafoam, I think. And yeah, he looks to be coming into this race very well. And Jose Ortiz rode him and won with him last race, and uh, he's still on him. So. That's a borderline horse for me, very borderline. But yeah, you got some serious breeding. Yeah, I I think he has a future. I I would be really surprised if he wins this race, but I think he definitely has the ability to get better going forward. Um, but I would be surprised if he were to win this race. He's probably one of the least likely winners in my opinion. Okay, well. That might help me keep him off the ticket. You might you <laughs> might have saved me some money, Chris. We'll see. Or, or I might have just cost you a fortune one way or the other. <laughs> well, that's the thing about this uh, pick five. You know, there's there's it's 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 a tough sequence. So uh, we'll see. Well, well, let's get to the the last race, which is perhaps the the most wide open race. It's the eleventh. It's an allowance, seven furlongs on the turf, purse of 72,000 for three-year-olds and up. And Ken, where did you land here? If, if indeed uh, I'm alive going in, I, uh, I will be looking to you guys for hedging advice on this <laughs> ticket. Because, uh, there's some potential there. Uh, I would say this, uh, to, to, to make, uh, on a pick five that, that looks so contentious, to make to, or to give yourself the best chance to uh, win, much less be alive in the last leg, is you've got to take some opinions early and, and spread when the race seems uh, chaotic. And, uh, you know, with, with a funny guy, I'm going to lean on him. I'm actually going to lean on Arthur's Hope uh, to to an extent. I'm going to try to be as skinny as possible in those legs. And uh, in the 11th race, this it's wide open. You can make a, a case for anybody. My top pick is going to be the 11 on the couch, who, even though he beat nothing the last time, on his comeback race, I like the way he did it. He 
he was very patiently ridden. Uh, Manny Franco didn't uh, panic when he was stuck behind a wall of horses. And once the seam came, he took it at a, a just at a moment's notice. Uh, uh, Fast Gordon was a favorite in the last race, and it was another three or so back to the third place horse. Uh, figures are competitive. He's done less to discourage you than a lot of the other horses in the field, which for years has been a, a pretty decent angle. Uh, I'm going to have to take a look at that race because the figure for that last race did come up pretty good. It's a tough post, but let's see what Chris thinks. Well, I mean, I always like horses with upside, so definitely that 11 horse still has some upside. The post is tough, um, and Giant Alaska's is not, at least in my book, known for trying to save ground, so... We'll have to get have some racing luck, but lots of upside there. So I I certainly would would include that horse. This is really tough race. Um, probably the horse I landed on as maybe the most likely winner, but not by much, is the five horse three outlaws. The eight to one on the morning line might get bet down below that because it's that same hot trainer. Um, we talked about earlier Atris or Atris, and I'm sure you pronounce this. That how do you pronounce that name? Anybody know his last name? I think I'm it's Atris. Atris. I think it's Atris. Yeah. Okay. Um, Red Hot. The horse fits. Um, it's run several races in here that can win in the past that can win. Um, so to me, you know, the Hot Barn uh, horse that fits. That's probably the most likely winner and I think a must use in the pick five. There's another one I like um, quite a bit on a, on a price standpoint and quite a few others I think have a shot at a price, but I'll, I'll toss it over to Scott and then jump in um, afterwards. So I'll, number five, three outlaws, I think you have to include. Okay. I agree on including three outlaws. I landed on two horses that I think are uh, sort of equal, have equal chance to win. Uh, the first is Bad Guy. He's only one for 18 on turf, but he has four seconds and four thirds. And his best race ever was at seven furlongs on the Belmont turf, where he was second at 20 to one. He is circling back to that number. And to me, he's the most likely winner of this race, even though, He's one for 18, but that will help the price. The other horse I'm interested in is Big Wonder, who is eight to one morning line and may go off higher because the trainer is, he doesn't win very often, but he does win at big prices occasionally. And he specializes in turf horses. And his best race was on the lead at seven furlongs at Belmont, where I think he finished second or third and he just missed and um, he looks to be, he looks like he's going to rate second off of Smite. And I just, I would have to include him, absolutely. So, so those are my two. And, uh, and then I would use Advanced Strategy, Uncle George, and Three Outlaws, and, and maybe a, a pending watching that race uh, on the couch as well. Okay. Uh, again, insist on a price this race. 
Uh, one who's certainly going to be a, a price is the four Steelers fan for life, who um, is actually a racing flow bold upgrade. He's run repeatedly against pace or track bias uh, against his style. His last race tells me that maybe uh, they were, uh, Leah, Leah Giamardi was wrong running him at a route uh for all that time he, he's disappointed me uh repeatedly but the last race where he actually looked like he was running at the end against a very soft pace uh i, I think seven furlongs will be a perfect distance for him three outlaws the five good sprinting yeah, yeah. actress numbers are impressive but some of these guys that have impressive numbers uh, on dirt, their, their turf numbers are somewhat less. So I, I may be a, a, a little bit cooler on him. Um, for a, a price, a additional price potential to three, Smite, who again just just got through uh, the maiden and the race at Saratoga. I, I think he'll like the seven furlongs. So the other horse that I had mentioned that I like quite a bit, I had, I waited to weigh in, is the four horse Steelers fan for life. That horse, what you know, you look at these, the conditions of this race, this horse only won one, one time out of 20 starts. But they've been running him repeatedly in route races or on the dirt, a couple dirt races thrown in there. And he's just terrible on the dirt. And he was okay in the route races, but they actually gave him a chance to run in a sprint for the first time um, in a long time. And he really responded with a big effort. And that was probably too short. I mean, they cut him all the way back to six furlongs, probably a little too sharp, but it should have sharpened his speed. And not only that, it was a race that had just absolutely no pace at all. So now they, they get him to seven furlongs, which may turn out to be, you know, his ideal distance and something you don't get a chance to run at on the turf very often. And, you know, he could run a, a really big race in here and get overlooked. And so, and to me, you know, Steelers fan for life is probably the value play on the win standpoint in this race for sure. And, and, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, the lifetime records are a little misleading, especially when they, all of a sudden they get to try to do something new, like a new distance or a new surface. It could be a totally new horse. And I think that's the way you want to treat this horse. And this is the time you can cash in on it. Um, because if it, it is true that he's going to relish the seven furlong distance and he's been waiting to do that all his life, um, this could be a, a big effort where you can cash in on the price. He's and Junior Alvarado. The price will be there, yeah. Yeah, Junior Alvarado stays. He's been on the horse the last three times. Um, I, you guys have me convinced. I, I, I would add him to my ticket. So, the, I, and we've mentioned every horse in race but one, but it's probably the other horse I like. My, my third choice, and that would be the 12 horse impossible odds. Um, I don't like the post and the rider, so I don't know if this horse can win, but you know, it, it's had some, it's sprint races have been good. 
and its last race was good, but it was a route race. Now it cuts back to the sprint, and there's no reason why this horse couldn't be finishing pretty strong uh, in this race at a at a big price. So, and I don't know what the impossible odds will be, but they'll probably be pretty juicy. It's 12 to one in the morning line, so that's another one that you uh, you know I would include um, in this really wide open race where you, you can make a case for just about the whole field, and we I think we've done that. <laughs> yeah, don't don't get short on your uh, on your a horses in this race. Yeah, I I I kind of the numbers look good on the twelve impossible impassable odds impossible whatever. Um, but he is you know that that post is pretty tricky, and um, I, I was actually going to try to download some stats on it. Um, maybe I will if you guys uh, have any other horses that you still want to mention because <laughs> there are there is there is like one or two that we didn't talk about and <laughs> I, I noticed that neither of you guys mentioned uh big wonder or bad guy which makes me think that maybe i'm going to get higher than eight to one on those horses well no i just didn't mention them because you had already done it and um i wanted to talk about the ones you hadn't mentioned but yeah i think both those horses have a shot for sure bad guy i would i wouldn't uh, exclude them I think I probably like Big Wonder a little better just because maybe uh, the horse that grabs the lead in here, if it can can get out in front of Smite, although Smite's pretty quick too. I'm sort of hoping that those two hook up because the horses I like need a little bit of a pace to run, especially Steelers fan for life. It'd be nice for a change if he actually had an honest pace to close into. So, Right. The The... The two for forty lifetime combination of dirt turf and slop, I guess, uh, made me toss the one bad guy. I the thirty five thousand non winners of three lifetime is probably even slightly better than this state bred one other than, but uh, bad guy gets himself into a winning position. Uh, like uh, last February, he won the uh, uh, non a two lifetime. It, he just finds a way to run around the track with his friends most of the time. Well, if bad guy gets a good trip, watch out. <laughs> He'll become a good guy. <laughs> when bad guys become good guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't really have a – I don't have a – any good data for you on the turf? Uh, I was looking at Brisnet, um, and they have only six races this meet at seven furlongs on this course, and one of them was run, one from the eight hole out. So, yeah, there is a pretty good run to the first turn and those seven furlong races, so that helps some. Yeah, yeah, uh, seven furlongs. I, I don't mind being outside at Belmont. It's tough at Saratoga. Remember, there's quite a difference between the Saratoga sprints and the Belmont sprints on the grass. Yeah, I'm just I'm looking at daily racing form now. Let's see. Uh, here we go. Seven furlongs. Uh, there was one win. There's only been six races, and there's only one been one race where there were 12 horses, and the 12 horse won. So there you go. So Although in, don't the, in, the case, 
Yeah. Although with in the seven, riders, in seven races, one winner. One winner, one for one from the twelve hole. Okay, I I love stats as much as the next guy, but sometimes when the sample small uh, size is so small, you're reminded of the guy who drowned in water that averaged three feet deep. He just happened to be in the wrong spot. Yeah, no, I I I'm just I'm just saying that uh, what I'm saying is that you know don't necessarily hold the wide post position against, which I think we're all in agreement on. So yeah. Yeah. If if there were like 40 races and only 3% had won from post eight on out, then that would be actionable. But otherwise, uh, it's probably not. And uh, yeah. that that horse in question, the 12 horse, does get a weight break uh, with the, the bug rider, Louis Cardenas. Yeah, that's probably a bigger drawback than the, the post is the rider and the post combination. He's got to do make some good decisions, which isn't what you typically get from an apprentice, um, especially one that's low percentage. Yeah, I'd be more enthused for him if he if he had shown sprint speed before. Uh, he he's shown some route speed before, but his his sprints he he looked to make one run into it. And that is when the outside post becomes a little more problematic. Yeah, but on the on the positive note, he's run really well in these seven furlong sprints. Those are probably his two best races. So I think the yeah. distance fits him for sure. And you yeah. do have that long run on the outside post. So at least, um, you know, you don't necessarily pay the price for a, a slow break or one bad decision. You could still have time to, to adjust from that outside. But you know, this is a wide open race, and uh, I think he's just one of those that you probably want to include at a price that could could get the job done. Uh, this trainer and jockey combo hit on September 24th with a 12 to one sprinting on the turf. Ooh, there you go. So there you go. They got an idea. Yeah. Although that might have been the one time they were only in three feet of water. <laughs> right. Yeah. But you know, it's not, it's not unheard of. And, 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 and the fact is that uh, I, I don't think you, if you think a horse has a fighting chance, I wouldn't penalize it because of the bug because they they win they win their share and like I've seen Benjamin Hernandez I think I don't know if he's a bug anymore but uh, he brought home a lot of like bomb plays and you were like oh like if you didn't use him just because of the jock you were regretting it yeah and you oh, are getting that weight break and up to nine pounds to the field so that can make up for maybe a bad decision somewhere during the race yeah I agree. And that horse is two has two wins on the Belmont turf. So there you go. And so and, and he's also in. probably he's probably also uh, a racing flow upgrade, Ken, because uh, he chased uh, a speed flow. Uh, they they don't have him as an upgrade, but uh, you know what it was? It was a speed flow, but, and again, this, this is the thing that I, I think is the greatest uh, feature of racing flow. The winner was, uh, beaten at the uh, combination of the first two calls by over eight length. So the winner came through the speed flow. So the, that doesn't merit an upgrade for the 12. 
Ah, uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. But he's definitely not impossible. <laughs> <laughs> he may have to pass somebody, but he's not impossible. Yeah, yeah exactly. And actually, you know, three back, the race uh, July 11th with that Quan uh, BC, he, he would be a, a strong, strong favorite in this field. Yeah, and same distance, same track. Yeah, that was the yeah, last time he was sprinting. Him. Yeah. So cr certainly the horse fits if he can get a trip. Um, there's no reason why I couldn't win. It definitely seems to, to relish this distance that the cutback will help. His race four back on, on the June 18th, he was trying to run down Shiraz and Bad Guy. I, I guess they were trying to debate each other as to who should win because they both like to run second. But uh, they, I guess they keep going. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, tough sequence here. It'll, it'll Hopefully we, we gave out a, a few long shot winners. It's the uh, the price horses that are tricky, whether you include them or not. Uh, I'm sorry, not the price horses, the the favorites, like some like at Hot Brown. I'm 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 leaning against playing against the horse, and there's not really a whole lot of value in actually betting the horse. So um, so it's that's why it's a tricky sequence. Um, but hopefully, we gave some insight that will help people uh, nail this bet. Yeah, and you don't have to play the pick five. I mean, I think there's definitely some some good bets in some of these races, and you always have, if you like um, you know, horizontals, you can always play doubles and pick threes. You don't always have to go for the pick five, um, and maybe this is one of those days where there, you know you you pick to play some of the other pools because I do think that, that there's some definitely races out there that you could score on um, with a little luck. Right. When you're playing multi-race bets, you want to incorporate your strongest opinions into the races where the, the chaos uh, hopefully reward you with a price. And if, uh, if, if it's a pick four or even the, the double, like Chris said, not just the pick five, that's the right bet for you. All right. Well, um, did you guys have any chance to look at the other races, any spot plays this week? Ken? Well, I, no, nothing that I could uh, say for public consumption yet. I, I, I don't really have a strong enough opinion on uh, on any of the other races. Um, Fair enough. I, I I usually don't have a, a, a play, but sometimes Chris does have a play. He gets a chance to look at more races. I did look at the sixth race that was the race just prior to the sequence that we talked about. And the two-horse Radikowski, I think is how you pronounce it, will be a big favorite in there. But I think the seven-horse Mrs. Orb has a good chance to upset. It's five to one in the morning line. And, um, you know, I think she's very playable. And you could play her in, into doubles maybe into that the next race if you have an opinion in that race that we talked about. So number seven, Mrs. Orb in the sixth race to upset the big favorite Radikowski. Chikowski, um is the other opinion I had um, on this card. Okay, so okay, interesting. Keep that one in mind. I'd like to thank our guest, Ken Jordan. Ken, thanks for spending some time with us. Thanks, guys. It was my pleasure.
All right, that will conclude show number 89 of the Sport of Kings pod. May you cash well and often at Belmont, and please enjoy the Brooklyn Boogaloo blowout. I'll see you on Sport of Kings. Cheers. Giddy up. <laughs>